Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. everyone, I'm Hannah Austin, and this is season two of the She Burns podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Meredith Grundy. Meredith is a public speaking coach and change maker. As an award-winning theater director, producer, and former Second City improv teacher, she recognized the similarities between performing for audiences on stage every night and presenting to clients and colleagues every day but the latter didn't have the right tools to bring their stories to life. So she decided to do something about it. She specializes in presentation and public speaking consultation, individual training and development, and creative team solutions using improvisational theater techniques to build empathy, trust, and out-of-the-box thinking. 11 years and some change later, Grundy Coaching has helped thousands of individuals and corporations craft engaging presentations and authentic stories to achieve career growth, credibility, and success. Meredith, I am so excited that you're here with me today. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about your story? Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. I'm delighted to dive in with you. My story, I have a performance background. I've wanted to be on stages since I can remember. And I, my parents put me into dance classes when I was nine. I took jazz, modern, and some ballet and uh, got up on that stage. And I don't feel I ever turned back. And I loved it. <laughs> and I, when I was around, I want to say, I think it was 13, I was performing in this number where I had to do this triple turn and then stop and then say, when I grow up, I want to be just like Wonder Woman. And this dance teacher who was in the audience came up to me after the show as I was heading into the dressing rooms. And she said, have you ever thought about being an actor? And I said, no. And she said, because you have just such a lovely voice and presence on stage. And of course, that went to my head. I'm like, mom, dad, I want to be an actor. And they're like, great. Yeah, we'll never make any money. Sweet. money. (laughs) Yeah. And I come from a very conservative background. My dad was a financial manager for many years. I came from this, like, you know, that was not my creativity. That world was so, so confusing for my parents. So they said, yes, though, they put me into acting classes and I took acting classes at this little studio where I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado. And, and then one thing led to the next, I had the bug, I had the bug and I fell in love with all the theater people. And I was in the drama league and I was in all the school plays. And I'd always come up with all the, the funny experimental things that was really exciting for me. And uh, also in art classes. And then I pursued it. I 
graduated. I graduated college. I moved to San Francisco. I did theater there. I discovered comedy there where I was working with a, a sketch comedy group called Old Man McGinty. And we did a lot of really fun, absurdist work and performed often at this place called the Exit Theater in downtown San Francisco. And then one of our members was uh, told us they're leaving. They're leaving the Bay Area and they're going to move to Chicago and they're going to study improv. And I was like, well, I want to go study improv. So I hightailed it to Chicago after getting married first. I got married. Okay. And then I said to the man that I was married to, who also happened to be an actor, I'm like, we're going to Chicago. And he said, fine, let's go. So we did. Wow. And I interned my way through this place called IO, which was formerly called Improv Olympic. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, they've closed their doors for good. But I interned my way through there and then performed on those stages and simultaneously was teaching kids acting. And a core faculty member from the Second City was co-teaching with me. And she said, you know what? We're starting a youth program at the Second City and you love theater and you love improv. Would you come help us start this program? And I said, you want me to work at the where? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Second City and that's how I started that career in forming curriculum for the youth. And then I started teaching adults. And then I started doing a couple of their BizCo gigs. Then I met this executive coach and he said, Hey, would you come do an improv workshop for this team of financial advisors? I was like, yes, and to that. And then one thing led to the next. And, and before I knew it, I was traveling around the globe, teaching improv executive coach who used the Berkman assessment. And sometimes he used the disc yes. assessment yes. to help organizations think creatively together, think, use their different personality types, I guess, to form tighter teams. And the improv, what's so beautiful about it is it highlights those personality differences and yes. shows us how we can use them as an asset in these different circumstances that we put people in. And from there, uh, I just, yes, ended my way through life. And then he's like, can you coach this C-suite over here and this exec over here and this manager over here and this team over here? And I said, yes, and yes. Uh, in public speaking, because a lot of those skills we use as we use as actors. Every day, every day, even in our relationships, even with yes. our you know, partners and marriage and kids, it's like, okay, how can I you know, practice or rehearse how this is going to sound better or it's going to be better delivered? So I agree. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I, I fell in love with teaching folks that were not actors. I fell in love with it. That's amazing. I love that story. How has, you know, since COVID happened, how has your work changed a little bit? Because obviously you can't go and teach teams and there's comfort level with travel and different things like that. How did you pivot and kind of shift towards the new COVID mindset or the COVID lens? Such a great question. Well, I have always worn mul multiple hats throughout my whole entire life. So I have, I moved to New York City a year shy of the pandemic. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was just getting my feet wet here in the community, the theater community, as well as like, I joined a co-working space in hopes to kind of expand my network as a coach. And then of course that all closed down, which I feel overall, I did a pretty great job of pivoting. There's a couple people I reached out to right away who I'd been contracted with to work with them as a, as a coach one organization I work with often that I'm a senior public speaker coach for is called Hillside Communications. We do a lot with pharma. And I called up Chris Hill immediately and I said, let me help you figure out how to get on Zoom now. Let's okay. let's pivot yeah. and figure out how we can do these facilitations on Zoom. And, and he was delighted to, to go through some of those 
skill sets that are brand new mm-hmm. and yeah, learn for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, for mm-hmm. everybody. Luckily, I had been using it already for sometimes auditions and sometimes meeting people who lived in other cities. So I yeah. it wasn't brand new to me. So I was able to help him with that learning curve. We helped each other. That was one way I started really focusing more on my business, which is Grundy Coaching. Mm-hmm. And I started a group coaching program because I'm a huge believer in community. Yes. I, I feel that the more the merrier. And if we can be there to lift <laughs> each other up. Well, and then, I think for a lot of people, for different personalities, if they don't feel comfortable sharing, they can listen to someone else, which then can lead to or navigate a riff or a play to move forward and feel like they have more vulnerability. And I think there's like, it's an AA meeting, right? Every, every coaching <laughs> session can be like formatted like an AA meeting because you're listening, but you're also contributing. So yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I, I started a group coaching program called confidently speaking for folks. I started joining more networking groups, trying to find my community. Yes, That's what yes. I did spend a lot of time doing. And I would imagine a lot of people did the similar things if they weren't yeah. leaving their jobs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, and then negotiating the family life. Cause yes. I have a daughter, a husband and a dog and a cat. And yeah, it was being, I feel that the biggest thing was having grace with myself and finding joy in the process within the transition that we were all in and knowing that we weren't alone. Absolutely. Well, and I think moving to a different place too. I mean, you had change on top of change and New York, you know, typically has lots of people around. And then you guys came in the middle of a COVID storm. You talked a little bit about feeling like, you know, dipping into the joy and seeing the joy and the change and navigating through the COVID waves. What expectations did you have uh, for yourself this year as compared to the beginning of COVID? Were you like, I've got this, now I'm more comfortable? Or were you like, every day, when is this going to end? Or both? I feel, I feel like the, it's kind of, I haven't really been like, when is this going to end? But I will say because I'm pretty good with the long journey. I'm, I can, I feel like I can kind of settle into that and find the breath is with no expectation or outcome, if you will. I will say the cracks started to reveal themselves more this year in terms mm. of noticing how I felt when certain things would start to open and I was called to show up and I, I realized, and I'm an extrovert. I kind of liked being cocooned. There was like, Um, there was something that was safe, safe about it. It provided a little bit of a, a a little shelter for my heart. That was, I felt from this whole pandemic, being inside with my family, knowing that that's where we needed to spend time was actually okay. I negotiated that. Okay. It's this new phase, this new normal that we're entering into where, we're not quite sure what this, 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 as my mother would say, the social etiquette is. Yeah, great, right? great point. Yeah, I mean, do you get on the phone with someone that you've never met and you're networking and you kind of dump like what your COVID journey has been like to show that vulnerability and build that relationship professionally? Do you wait for them to go first, right? When you're asking them, I mean, it's really interesting. It's almost like you're dating the public again, right? What do you do? <laughs> We're all dating again. <laughs> or when you see somebody that you, I've been astonished that there's been this weekend, I had an event to go to and I didn't realize that half the people that I saw in that event 
I met during the pandemic. I've never seen them in the full bodied flesh. (laughs) I was like, dang, you're tall. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Or what Um, people show you like on zoom, like, you know, you can dress like a slouch and you can not wear your makeup and have your hair done or however you want to do. But then when you meet them in person, you're like, Oh, that's what you really look like. It's almost like their alter ego versus their, I I think, what are they avatars? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's fascinating. So yeah, I've been negotiating that. I would say that feels real. That feels pretty present. That transition you asked about. Mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty deep. Tell me a little bit about your copingness mechanism. So you talked a lot about, you know, you're, you're really good at kind of seeing the long game. It's -hmm. expressing out like the long journey, but everybody has coping mechanisms, right? So what has actually kept you sane this year, I guess, as opposed to like the beginning. So you've obviously had some lessons from pre pre COVID and then COVID and then now whatever we are in, which wave we're in, but what is kind of keeping you grounded, keeping you sane from a a human standpoint, not just a professional. Staying in touch with the people that lift me up has been Mm -hmm. huge. Spending time, quality time with my family, intentional quality time with my family has been really big. We have our Friday night movie night. It's pretty consistent. We have a rotation of who picks the movie and who picks the takeout. (laughs) Uh, That feels healing. I've got a fantastic husband who we compliment each other. Cause I'm kind of like, I can be very much throw the spaghetti noodles at the wall and see which ones stick kind right. of person. And creative, creative. Yeah. <laughs> the creative type. And he's the very regimented. He's also creative, but he's also a musician, mm-hmm. which I think there's a yeah more technical mindset. Uh, he's a Virgo. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh yeah. There but- you go. <laughs> So he's very good with the habits and compartmentalizing. And so he kind of keeps me moving and staying on task too. And we laugh a lot together, which is key. And we have our own little rituals too. So we have at night, we have our ritual where we sit down and we have a conversation, whether that be a cocktail in hand or a cup of tea in hand, or we talk a little bit and then we have a show that we watch. And that's what we do. We have these built-in routines. And then I journal, you know, I do the things I journal. I have a podcast. I also started during the pandemic, which feels grounding for me. I go for walks. I have a little six minute exercise routine that I do. Nice. Six minutes. Six minutes. It's efficient. (laughs) And I try to be gentle with myself. Sometimes it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, six minutes. I think any of us could do six minutes. I think a lot of us are like, oh, we have to you know, work out for 45 minutes no. or an hour, but six minutes, that sounds really doable. I'm going to get that workout from you. Maybe we'll do it on the next um, podcast. We'll like do a live yeah. Zoom. <laughs> Heck yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Super simple. If you could pick one bright spot for you that you're like, this was a moment, this is my shining moment COVID story. What would it be? The shining moment COVID story. Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> I always think so about it in a, as a bright spot, right? So COVID's been dark. Spot. There's been a lot of depression, anxiety associated yeah. with that. People, you know, you said turning towards your family and, you know, protecting your heart, kind of being your own cocoon. But, you know, say I told you COVID's over tomorrow. And you could look back and you could say, what was that bright spot in COVID? What would be the first thing that came to your mind? The bright spot to the, the this journey that we've all been on for me has 
been the realization that community really matters and that we need to really, I feel like we get so caught up. I'm, I'll speak for myself. I get so caught up in the day to day to day before mm-hmm. pre COVID where I was constantly on the go and where I was aware of some of the things in the world that we should be considering and thinking about on a systemic level, I wasn't slowing enough down to actually hear things mm-hmm. yeah. or listen. Yes. Right? And so I feel that what has helped me, it's helped ground me more and it's helped me slow down mm-hmm. so that I can listen better yes. and also find more moments of gratitude in the little things. Yes. Because I was hanging my hat. I I wasn't enjoying and loving the process as much as I should have or could have. I was more about the destination. Yes. And so I feel like that's, that's what I feel that this, that's the bright shining star from my experience with this pandemic so far. Yeah, I love that answer. I've interviewed hundreds of people, you know, since I started my journey last year. And it's consistently um, the fact that people have learned to stop, pause, reassess, slow down, reimagine their lives. Am I doing the right work? Do Am I in the right career? What matters to me? Um, the loss of relationships in a good way and turning towards a sense of self. That's what we try to do, obviously, at She Shudders. But what advice would you give to our listeners or to yourself, right, when you look back about just resiliency overall and what resilience means to you and and how you can kind of translate it into your life? Like, what does it take to truly be a resilient leader, woman, mother, person? Yeah, well, I think it takes deep listening. I believe it also requires us to be present, Mm. which is really challenging to do. Yes. We're not trained to really just be in the moment and, and trust the moment. And so I'm going to throw in that word trust too. When I have allowed myself, when I've given myself permission to really trust the moment and that everything's going to be okay, Mm -hmm. that's when I feel I'm the most resilient when I start to allow myself to go off into storyland or into panic mode or into all the what ifs on the negative end of things, then that's when I feel powerless and small and not as resilient. Mm-hmm. And I don't allow myself really, I, I don't allow myself to go to that space very often. Yes. When I do I give myself as much grace around it as I can to say, it's okay to live in this space for a little bit. It's okay to feel these feelings yes, and to feel them fully. Right. Because I don't feel that you're truly going to be resilient unless you allow yourself to feel it. Mm-hmm. How do you teach your, did you, you said you had kids, right? Or I have kid. a 10 year old mm-hmm. daughter, son, daughter, her daughter. name's Harper. <laughs> oh, I love that name. How do you teach Harper? how to do that. Cause it's, you know, it's a learned skill over the years. Right. And with COVID, what I'm hearing from a lot of parents are, they tell me, Hannah, how can I, how could I have been done when I couldn't be done? Right. I'm so done with COVID. I'm so done with this, but I can't be done. Right. I have to move forward for my kids, my family, my daughter, keeping food on the table, keeping my job, keeping my sanity. So what would you say to Harper about that? How to do that? I'm very lucky mom, because she's 
I feel one of the most resilient people I've ever met in my entire life. Like this whole pandemic, remote learning, I feel overall she's done a pretty remarkable job with it. Mm-hmm. So I actually can say that I've learned a lot from her. Great. I mean, that's how parenting right? is. <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, she's she's all about the dance parties. So oh, nice. she's like, oh, she's like, it's all about the dancing and the listening to the music. I would say for her, I would say to breathing is so important and we don't talk about it a lot. And that's something that I will say I have shared with her a lot because she does, even though she's super adaptable, she tends to have really big emotions really quickly to really small things. Right. And so something we've been really working on is noticing your breath so that you can integrate it in a way to where when you need to calm your breath or manage your breath or manage your anxiety or that fight or flight space that we get into, do you have the tools and you know what that feels like when it happens, when you have that response that you can use those tools to calm yourself in a way that's going to serve you in those moments, I feel is something we've talked a lot about. That's great. I love what you said about you're learning from her. She's learning from you. I mean, that's how parents being a parent is right. If you didn't know during the lesson in your previous life or your next life, your kids are right. here to terrorize you or, or teach you the lesson. I'm joking, but you know, and then along those lines, what is a mantra that keeps showing up in your life? Right. So I always think, you know, in your next life, you're going to learn that lesson that you never learned in your previous life or depending on what you believe in, but what is the mantra that has kept you going to hone the creative and focus on the creative or just be Meredith? Like what would be Meredith's mantra? Well, it's funny you ask that because it's very similar to what I taught teach my daughter, which is my little mantra has always been just breathe. Okay. Just breathe. And in fact, I found one of those neon light signs on Amazon. I was like, oh, I think I gotta get that. So just breathe. I would also say because I'm a huge improviser and I use a lot of improv in my coaching, yes and is also a yes. mantra. I've heard you say that a couple of times on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. I've heard you say a couple times today. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 and and yes. And in a way of, of ideation, creativity, noticing, I don't think we should be saying yes. And to everything that comes our way. No is a very powerful sentence, but being able to have that, that I think it's the air of lightness around. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I see you or yes. And I acknowledge you or yes. Yeah. And I will say yes to that and figure out the rest later, which is, I think a great Tina Fey quote. That's really served me. It's also helpful with parenting. And mm-hmm. I could be better at that with parenting. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> true confessions it, in my confessional later. <laughs> true confessions yeah, for a yes man lady. Yeah. I'm not good at yes handing my daughter with everything. <laughs> well, and I think it's often so our society is yes and, which can lead to more work, which can lead to, you know, putting yourself in a burnout situation. Yes, but sounds a little bit negative. So I think it's just playing around with that. But I love the fact that you can say yes, and I still need to have dinner with my family or yes, and I need to be home by 5pm. And my company at She Shatters, we're trying to help women and professionals and companies to build a yes, and and basically build out what they want their company to look like, what they want their life to look like. It doesn't have to be just in a little box. And I think that's a lot um, that we face as as women and in society in general is we are placed in this box that we have to do this or we have to do that. And I love the fact that you, the reason why I have you on the podcast today is the fact that you're so creative and who else to teach us rather than an improv, right? It's about exploring. (laughs) It's about 
um, putting yourself out there. It's about not always having the answers and being comfortable in the gray of what comes next. So I love what you said in your mantra about yes. And yeah, thank you. So um, that's kind of the, I would say the boring portion of the podcast, but I love to shift to a, I'm a a really fun person. I like to party. I like to have a dance party. I'll invite your daughter over. Um, But the next part is my favorite part of the podcast. And here's where I get to ask you kind of some fun and food for thought questions. Meredith does not know the answer to these questions or she has not been told what the questions are. So, so Meredith, if I told you that you could live only in one place in the whole entire world. And I gave you a one-way first-class ticket to go there. Where would you choose to live and why? I'd be in New York. Really? I was wondering. I totally like, would. Really? I want to know the answer to why. Why would you stay in New York? I want to hear this. Okay. So I've only lived in New York for four years and I consider myself a New Yorker now that I have lived here through a pandemic that gives me a special. Yeah. I think you should earn your stripes on that one. Yes. I earned my, so I, I've traveled quite a bit and I love traveling, love it. And one of my favorite places to travel to so far has been this cute little colonial town called San Miguel de Ende, Mexico, where I've created this gorgeous community of people. I have a stepdaughter as well, who is older and lives in Singapore. So I'm really excited about moving or not moving there, but going, I haven't gone yet. My husband's been able to, but not myself. And I have loved lots of places that I have visited. There's something about New York and how diverse it is, how all cultures have congregated to this city that I absolutely love, I love sitting on the subway and being surrounded by four or five different languages. Mm. I love cities. I love the aesthetic of cities. I love architecture. I love energy of other people. I also do love my alone time and my quiet nature time. And I'm lucky that I live by Fort Tryon Park, which is stunning. There's just something about the grit. There's something about the, if you will, I heard someone describe the bacteria of a place once. Wow. That's a descriptive word. Right. The bacteria. It sounds kind of gross and like rats are infesting in my apartment right now, which they're not, but it's that it's like, I feel like it's the historical layers that, that I am living on top of and with that I just, there's something that just feels at home for me with that. Not to say I wouldn't mind like, you know, a little casita on the beach side somewhere for on occasion, but I don't feel like my soul would be happy with that full time. Mm. Is it something about, I mean, you're, I love that answer. I I'm shocked, but not shocked. If that makes sense. Is it something about your personality and that, you know, you're a change maker, public speaker, you know, you love the improv, you love the excitement, you love the different, you like to be a chameleon. You like to be in different um, situations and you're almost in a melting pot of all different types of walks of life and different ethnicities and whatnot. I love what you said about being immersed in different layers that stretch you. Tell me a little bit about, was it a a big cultural move for you to shift from where you were before to New York? Or was it just like instantly you got there and it was like a puzzle piece was clicked into place? I would say for me, it was a puzzle piece clicked into place. So to give a little context for why we did, we were living in a, we own a home still in Colorado, right outside of Boulder, Colorado. 
And we had the yard. We actually had a white picket fence at one point. And then I had them take it down because it was too much. And we we adopted our daughter, Harper, uh, when she was day old. Mm-hmm. And she's from Oklahoma City. And she's an African, she's African American. And so to raise a black daughter in Boulder County. Yes, I get it. Yeah. I used to live in Netherlands. So I get it. Okay. So you get it. Okay. I get get that whole area. Mm -hmm. That was not as a white mom, a way that I, I felt like my husband, I felt that we could do much better as her Mm -hmm. parents. And so we actually rented our house out for a year and bought an RV and drove it all over the country through the South and so forth. We went in and out of these different cities and then to save money, we went into Mexico, which was amazing and toured all through Mexico. With Harper. With Harper and a dog and a cat. Nice. Yes. And we were on that trip and we met this man in San Miguel de Allende. Again, that place comes up and he was a former New York city actor. And he's like, I got this place on 56 and ninth. What about your family just moving in there? It's only $525 a month. We're like, what? Yeah. Oh, totally. And then one thing led to the next and it didn't seem or feel like a great idea. But but my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, did you see how excited we got about the prospects of moving to New York? Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. Wow. So we drove the RV back to Colorado. We had two weeks to rent out our house full time because we were Airbnb it, sell the RV, pack up a moving truck. Oh, Meredith, that's huge. And that's like so York. brave. That's so brave. And we did it. Yes. And we're alive. <laughs> and you did it with your daughter. I mean, I think that's the other piece is, I don't know how old she was during that time, but the lesson that she's learning and she's traveling in this RV from Colorado to New York, it couldn't get any auto- weirder, different than that. And the fact that it's just like, you checked in with each other, you and your husband, I'm like, how does that feel? Like we lit up, we got excited and let's yeah. do it which kind of seems to me like a thread through your life, right? It's the power of improv, the power of, if you can improv at work, why don't you improv your life, right? Just move. uh Well, and I'll tell you this too, that was a pivotal point for me was when my dad passed away, he passed away in 2011. And he, you know, I grew up in a very conservative, pretty linear thinking family household where it was save for retirement. You know, you go to college, you get a really great paying job, you save for retirement, you invest your money, you diversify, you retire, and then you're happy and then you die. And that didn't happen for my dad. Yeah. Right. He lost all of his money in 2008. He had a horrible accident and then he ended up on a ventilator and in a coma and then passed away before Mm -hmm. any of those things he kept waiting for happened. And so that was a huge pivotal point for me. Like life's too short. There's no roadmap that says I have to go forward on a straight line. Well, and even if you're going down the straight line, something could happen. You could get in an accident. You could lose yes. all your money. There are no guarantees. So no. why not make it joyful and enjoyable and learn from it? Wow. Yep. That's, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's an incredible story. I think your parents teach you what not to do. And in the way they live a life that shows you what to do in different ways. Yeah. Right. And those yeah. lessons. Yeah. Ooh, well, none of sure. that stuff was easy. I mean, when we moved to New York, I, we, we were like two artists, like with a kid and a dog and a cat. I mean, it, we built ourselves back up. Yeah. Well, that's exciting though. You get to choose the life that you want to live and you can create it, especially with your daughter. But I love what you said about, you know, you wanted, you wanted more for her. You wanted yeah. something better for her, um, ma- raising her in a multicultural environment. So, and it's been, it's been amazing. It's been really a gift. 
I'm so glad. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is another fun question. What is one thing that you would love to learn to do, but you are scared shitless to try? Hopefully I can say shit on a podcast. You can say shit. We'll see if Spotify kicks me off. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go down that path. Uh, So, yes. Something that scares me shitless to do. Well, there's a couple things, but I'll tell you the first one that popped in my head. One is I have always wanted to do trapeze. Ooh, I can see that about you. I can see yeah. that. You got the build for it and you're creative. So it's kind of a given. <laughs> yeah, I want to fly. That just looks like fun. And the people who do it are buff. <laughs> just buff. And yeah. that was that's one thing. And then the other thing is cliff diving. That scares the shit out of me. I've stood on the edge of those rocks before. Like, I don't know if you ever visited the four corners area and some of those. Yeah. Oh no. I just couldn't do it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Would you try it though? I mean, would you try one of those two things? Probably would be trapeze artist prior to prior to jumping off rocks. Right. Yeah. I think I would do the trapeze thing with the net before I would do the rock thing, but I would, I would do, yes, I would do it and I would do it soberly. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was going to say, what is it that you'd have to take in order to actually do that? But that's maybe for another, the X-rated version of the podcast next week. (laughs) Well, I get a variety of answers to that question. You're my second um, season guest so far. We have obviously nine more to go, but I'm excited to hear all the answers because I'm I'm curious, like what, what, how people respond to that, right? Well, what's yours? What's mine? Yeah. Well, I've tried a lot. I've traveled a lot. I've done a lot of things. I can't say on the podcast scared shitless to try. For me, it's about writing a book. And I've actually taken yeah. the first step and started to do that. So I've enro- I signed a book um, deal here shortly. But for me, it's the book that I want to write versus the book that I think people want to hear. And so it's yeah. trying to marry the authenticity and those two threads. So well, thanks for congratulations asking me the question. That. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to thank you. We're almost out of time for your time today. I loved what you said about, you know, wanting something different for your daughter and learning from her versus her learning from you. The fact that you've pivoted in your life several times and really taken that leap of faith to live somewhere new and different um, and the power of improv that you can have in your life. Um, And I'm so glad that you were able to be with us today with me today and share with us your journey. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Hannah. This has been so fun. Super fun. I know people I say, gosh, it's like talking to you. It's like, it seems like five minutes, but um, it's truly been fun. And to be able to hear your story and to share your story with, you know, our wonderful guests and our wonderful audience um, on Spotify and iTunes. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hearing Meredith talk about her journey highlights the importance and power of storytelling in our lives. As women, we are all searching for what lights us up and keeps us healthy. And together we can learn how to burn bright, and not burn out. To our listeners, for more information on Meredith, please visit her on Instagram at Meredith Grundy Coaching or on LinkedIn at www.linkedin.com slash Meredith. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc.